It's the question that's on everyone's mind. It's permeating our culture. It's, it's going back and forth between people and being asked of ministers and government leaders and everybody you know. When is everything going to go back to normal? Uh, I mean, it seems like this is the craziest thing that we have ever experienced in all of our lives. I mean, who knew on, on December, you know, the, the 31st of 2019, when I was speaking the word focus over our church for the entire year, that it was going to be the hardest word that we had ever tried to keep in the history of our lives. Focus. When is everything going to just go back to normal? Well, I have the answer. It's not. It's not. It's not going to go back to normal. Why would we want it to? You know, we tend to glorify things. We, we tend to glorify things that happened in the past uh, as though that they were something more than what they actually were. Man, why would we want things to go back to normal so that we can get caught up in all the, the busyness of the world all over again, so that we can get distracted by something different as opposed to what we're distracted by right now? I mean, why in the world would we want to go back uh, where we've already come from? See, my God is not a God of going back. Uh, my God is a God of going forward. That's why he gave us a cloud in the day and a fire in the night so we could follow God where he wants us to go. Yeah, give him praise for that. He deserves it, man. He's a God of moving forward. He wants us to move forward. He wants us to become something more than what we have been in the past. He wants to do a new thing. Isaiah 43, right? 18 and 19. That's a big verse in this church in case you didn't know. For my God wants to do a new thing. He wants to make pathways in the wilderness. He wants to make streams in the desert. He wants to do something that ain't never been done before. That's where we stand right now on the precipice of something that ain't never been done before. And I don't want to go back. I just want to go where God wants to take me. Somebody say amen. amen. If you would stand for the reading of God's word this morning, uh, we are in the book of Exodus. Yes, the book of Exodus in chapter 14. Mr. Beckley was uh, just inspired that me and Brent were preaching out of the Old Testament two weeks in a row. Come on, God's moving. The book of Exodus in chapter 14, and I just got this brand new Bible, and the, the print is tiny. I told Daniel Davis back here in the media booth I was going to have to borrow his glasses today. <laughs> I do, I've lost mine. Brent always laughs at me when I have to pull my readers out, but whatever. I laugh at him for stuff too. <laughs> Yeah, he laughs at my readers, and I ask him if he needs a comb, and we're fine. <laughs> the book of Exodus in chapter 14, starting in verse 5, and the Bible says this. When the king, uh, to use my finger, the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their mind about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. And he took 600 of the best chariots along with him, along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened their heart as Pharaoh, king of Egypt, hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped near the sea near Pihahiroth. I got it. 
<laughs> I got it. I didn't know that I could. So I'm pretty pleased with that. Opposite of Baal Zephon. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. And they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone and let us serve the Egyptians? Wouldn't it have been better? This is the voice that I hear them speaking in, by the way. This is what they sound like to me. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And Moses answers the people, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. This is how Moses sounds. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. It's a stark contrast, right? The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. That's a prophecy right there. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be. I believe that was preached last week, wasn't it? The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be. We'll talk about that in a minute. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? That's my favorite part in the whole scripture. The Lord's like, what are you crying out to me for? Tell the Israelites to. Tell the Israelites to. See, it's not what's behind them that matters. It's what's in front of them. Because we don't serve a go-back God. We serve a move-on God. Somebody say amen. amen. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Can somebody say Amen. Not only did he split the sea so they didn't have to walk through the water, he dried the ground so they didn't even get any mud on them. Can somebody say amen? Because he doesn't want us caught in the muck and the mire. My God lifts us out of that and sits our feet on solid ground. Can somebody give him some praise this morning at the Way Church? If you would pray with me this morning, my God, my God, thank you for not forsaking me. My God, my God, you have saved me and set me free. My God, my God, I stand in a room full of people that you have saved and set free or that you desire to save and set free today. My God, you are so good. My God, you are so beautiful. My God, you are everything that we could ever want, everything that we could ever need. God, protect us from the enemy at our rear. Split the impossible in front of us God so we can move on into your glory in Jesus name amen and amen and you may be seated in the presence of the Lord <laughs> I feel like Pastor P today come on man yeah don't tell him I was stealing his lines did you think that the enemy was going to let you go easy I mean did you did you think he was going to let you go easy did you think he was just going to be like, ah, oh, lost another one. Lost another one. No. The enemy's not going to let you go easy. See, there's always going to be a Pharaoh in your life that's trying to seek control over you. There's always going to be a Pharaoh. And he won't always be sitting on a golden throne in the country of Egypt. But there will always be a Pharaoh that's trying to seize control uh, over your life. Sometimes that Pharaoh comes in the form of a credit card, don't it, brother? Sometimes that, that Pharaoh comes in the, the form of people's opinions about you. Sometimes that Pharaoh comes in the, in, the, in the version of an image on a computer screen. Sometimes it comes in the form of, a, of, of some kind of a substance that, that alters your chemical processes in your brain. 
Sometimes it, it comes in the, in the form of a controlling person in your life. Sometimes it comes in all kinds of different shapes and sizes. But here's the thing. There's always going to be a Pharaoh that's trying to seize control uh, of your life. Because the enemy don't want to let you go. The enemy wants to keep control over your life. He wants to keep control over your finances. He wants to keep control over your relationships. He wants to keep control over how you spend your time. He wants to keep control over who you believe that you are and who you believe that God is. Can somebody say amen? He wants to control your family. He wants to control your marriage. He wants to control your workplace. And he wants to control the church. And he's had way too much success in that recently. He's trying to control the church. You know how? Because Pharaoh is coming in and trying to divide the church. Because, you know, the devil's not scared of a big church. The devil's scared of a unified church. Somebody say amen. amen. And so if we want to win, if we want to win, not the, not, the, not the ultimate victory because Jesus has already won that, but if we want to win the battle that we're in right now, because that we can lose. You realize that, right? Even though Jesus has already won the war, we can lose the battle. But if we want to win, we got to come together. We got to come together. And we got to get the devil out of our mind. We got to get the devil out of our marriage. We got to get the devil out of our family and our home. We got to chase the devil out of our workplace. We got to chase the devil out of our church. And we do that by surrendering ourselves to the living God. All I want is you. All I desire is you. All I want is you. See, pride and bitterness and all that garbage has to go out the window if we're going to be the people of God that he desires us to be. Somebody say amen. And the children of Israel cried out for freedom. They cried out for freedom. Let me put that, that scripture in context a little bit for you that I just read. See, the children of Israel had been in, in slavery and bondage in Egypt for 400 years. They'd been there about 430 years. But after the first 30, you know, Joseph had died. You probably, some of y'all know that story. And the, the new Pharaoh had taken over. And he had forgotten the things that the children of Israel had done by the power of God for Egypt. And so they just saw these people that they could take advantage of. And so they did. But in the, in the midst of, of all the, the torment and the terror that the children of Israel were going through, they cried out to God. They cried out to God in the midst of their pain. They, tried out, they cried out to God in the midst of their torment. They cried out to God in, 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 while chained up, while in bondage. And God did what God does. God answered. And God came in with, he sent Moses. And by the ten plagues, he broke the chains. He opened the prison gate. He set the children of Israel free from the bondage and the pain and the torment that they'd been suffering for 400 years. And now here they are, standing in freedom, experiencing the power of God, standing on the other side of what they'd gone through. Man, I see a bunch of people in here that have experienced that too. Man, if, if God broke your chains, if God heals your wounds, if God saved your soul, just make some noise for Jesus Christ up in here today. Freedom, baby. Freedom. Freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from pain. Freedom from shame and guilt. Man, he offers all that and so much more. But let's get real for a second. The children of Israel are here standing on the banks of the Red Sea, looking out at this impossible task in front of them, scared because the greatest army in the world is bearing down on them from behind. And all of a sudden, their freedom is a little bit overwhelming to them. Anybody in here had their freedom get a little bit overwhelming to them before? 
I mean, was there ever a time, I'm talking about after you've been set free. I'm talking about after the Holy Spirit came into your life and wrecked you and, 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 and set you, you know, apart from all that garbage and nonsense you used to live in your life, broke down your pride, lifted your addiction off of you, you know, made you whole again. And here you are standing on the other side of that. But all of a sudden, your freedom is a little bit overwhelming. How many of you ever look back into that old life that you used to have and it looked pretty good to you? I mean, I, I mean, I'm just saying, how many of you in here, by show of hands, how many of y'all thought about going back? How many of y'all thought about going back? And, and, and lift them up high and keep them up because I, I, there's people in here right now that have just been set free, that, 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 that they're thinking about going back because it's real tempting, and they think they're alone. But, but people, if, if you're dealing with that right now, I want you to look around and see that you're not alone. Many of us have, have thought about going back because it seemed comfortable back there. It was comfortable back there. How many people did go back? How many did? It, just for a time. Just for a time. How many of you went back for a time? I did. How many of you went back for a time? See, if, even if you went back, even if you fell off the wagon, even if you fell off the horse, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. Because we may have thought about going back, and we may have went back for a minute, but we didn't stay back. Somebody say amen. Because I serve a God of second and third and 42nd chances. Somebody give him praise for his grace this morning. For his grace, because he's good. Because he's good. Because he's good. That, yes, he is. Come on, that's my favorite word about him. He's awesome. They were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. And then they said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? We were better off being slaves in Egypt. It wouldn't be better for us to serve them than to die in the desert. But sometimes we get scared in our freedom. Sometimes we get scared in our freedom because we're not sure if we can live life free or not. And, and we think about going back because it was easier back there. It's easy to be trapped in sin. It's hard to live for Christ, man. It's hard to live for Christ. It's easy to just let the devil carry you on to hell. It's easy. It's easy. You ever, you've heard the term headed for hell in a handbasket? See, that's because somebody's carrying you, and it's real easy just to sit there and let them take you there. Real easy. You're making that decision to sit there, though. Amen, brother. Amen. It's real easy. And, and, and so they just wanted to go back home. But it's that fear of the unknown that the devil uses against us. Because see, the pain that we know is not as scary as the thought of the struggle that we don't know. And so we go with what we're comfortable with. We go with what we're comfortable with because we know what that hurt feels like, right? We know what that struggle feels like. We know how heavy those chains are. And we, and we feel like we can bear it. We're not sure what's ahead of us. We're not sure if we can do it. We're not sure if we can handle it. And Moses said this, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The Bible says that over and over and over and over again. Don't be afraid. It's almost like he knew that we were going to be afraid. It's almost like he had an idea of what it was that was going to be the biggest hindrance to us. Don't be afraid. Stand firm. Stand firm. And you'll see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Man, somebody say amen. Moses didn't know what God was going to do. He just knew that God was going to do. Amen. Because God was the only one that could do something. And, and, and in today's world, in the situations that we find ourselves now, in today in our world, I don't know what God's going to do, but I know God's going to do something. 
And he's the only one that can do something, so he's got to do something, and so I know that he's going to do something. And I have enough faith and enough trust, and I've had enough experience with him, and I've read enough about him, and I've seen him move already that I know without a shadow of a doubt that since he did it once, he's going to do it again because that's the kind of God that I serve. Man, I trust him. I trust him. I don't care if this whole thing burns down around my ears. I trust him, and I got faith in him, and I know he's moving. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. Even when I can't see it, he's working, and I know it's for my good, and I know that it's for his glory. Somebody say amen. We just need to stand still, and he'll fight our battles. Wait, I thought that this sermon was entitled, Move On. <laughs> didn't I just preach at the beginning of service for about way too long that I didn't serve a God of going backward or standing still but moving forward? Because, you know, he puts a cloud in front of the children of Israel in the day so they can go. He puts a cloud, a pillar of flame in the sky at night so they can go. And now he's saying to stand still? Wait a minute. Let's learn a little Hebrew this morning. It'll make it real clear. Y'all learned some Hebrew this morning? Come on, throw that screen up there, brother, so we can learn some Hebrew today. The Hebrew word for stand still there is yatsab. Say yatsab. Yeah, it's got a V. The B is a V sound, right? There's no B, so it's a V sound. Yatsab. And what it means is, is to place as to stay but more importantly, in this context, it means to offer or to present yourself. He's not saying stand still in this spot. He's saying present yourself before the Lord. He's not saying stand here before this army, stand here on the shore of this ocean. He's saying stand still before the presence of God. Present yourself as an offering to the living God. Put yourself in His hands. Put yourself on His altar. Stand before His presence. Surrender your will to His glory. Put your future and your past and your present right there at His feet and watch Him move. Watch Him move. Watch Him move. Yatsav, present yourself to the Lord. Present yourself to the Lord. And then he's going to move. And then he's going to move. You know, if I stay here, then my past will soon catch up to me. But if I keep moving, if I keep going after God, it never will because my past can't chase me where God wants to take me. And yours can't either. Yours can't either. Your past can't follow you where God wants to take you. And I don't care how heavy that it is. Like, I don't care how many ugly things that you said to somebody. I don't care how much pride you've been consumed with. I don't care how much better that you thought you were than everybody else. I don't care how much dope that you've done. I don't care how many times that you've broken your promises or your word. Those things can't follow you where God wants to take you. So if you will leave them where they're at uh, and get up uh, and dust yourself off uh, and present yourself before the Lord and follow that cloud and that flame, he'll take you somewhere that those demons of your old life uh, can't even go, can't even stand, can't even exist because that's the plans that my God has for you. That's the plans that my God has for you to put you in a place that that evil can't get to. Somebody say amen. 
And then God says something really strange. I love it when God just blows people's mind. So here they are, and Moses is like, don't be scared. Present yourself to the Lord, and he'll make a way where there's no way. And then the Lord says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Uh-oh. What? <laughs> why are you crying out to me? See, way church, sometimes there's a time to pray, and sometimes there's a time to move. Sometimes it's time to cry out to God, and sometimes it's time to just do what God has already told you to do. See, sometimes we as Christ followers pray way too little, and sometimes y'all church folk pray way too much. Hey, take note because I said what I said. Some of you are like, but Pastor Paul, it says to pray without ceasing right there in the Bible. I know what it says. My point is that there ain't no need to pray to ask God to do what his word already clearly commands us to do. Somebody say amen. Me and my wife were down in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, eating at the Panera, Panera Bread right there on the strip, enjoying a nice lunch. And then all of a sudden, I seen her focus drift off to something across the road, and so I looked to see what she was looking at, because that's what we do, right? Like every time somebody walks in that door, everybody's like, I wonder who's late for church. Oh, it's just Brent again. I don't know what he does out there. And so I looked where she was looking to see what she was looking at. And there was a young man, a young man, probably a guy my age, and he had crawled out of the alley, and he was looking in the dumpster. And then he began, he was looking all, dis, he looked all disheveled and, and disoriented. He had red hair going everywhere and sores on his face. And he stumbled across the road, and almost, a car almost hit him. And he walked up, like, right towards the window where we were sitting. And I looked over, and my wife had a tear right here. And she said, Paul, he's hungry. And I was like, okay. So I got out from the Panera Bread booth and I got down on my knees and I said, Lord God, would you in your infinite holy wisdom have me feed this man that looks like he may be near starving to death? And if you would have me do a thing like that, if you could just give me a sign, I mean a wet fleece or a dry one will do, a fire or an earthquake or a small still voice or just anything, if you could put it up in neon letters, that'd be really cool. Anyway, I will, your, your humble servant will await upon your sign. No, I didn't do any of that. I didn't, I didn't do any of that. Because there's a time to pray, and there's a time to move. And so I got up out of the seat, and, and, and I went to go outside, but I tried to go out the wrong door because there's very strict rules at the Panera Bread now. You have to go in the one way and go out the other way, and there's arrows on the floor to tell you where you have to go to. And it's a very strict maze that you have to go around. And if you don't follow the arrows just right, you'll run straight into the Rona. So you got to be careful about how you enter and exit the Panera Bread. But I finally found my way out into the street. And I said, hey, brother. And he kind of croaked. He was like, uh, yeah. And I was like, are you hungry, man? And he said, yeah, but I'm really thirsty. And I was like, all right, brother, you just wait right here. And then I said, Lord God, this young man is hungry, that you would provide me the resources. But no, I'm kidding. I didn't do any of that. 
I went inside and went up to the counter and I ordered up some food and a drink. And then I waited way too long because, man, the Panera Bread's good, but golly, it takes a long time to get a sandwich. And so I'm waiting forever. And then finally they, they call my name and I go up there and get the food and I go outside and I can't find him anywhere. He's wandered off. Probably because he didn't believe. Probably because people have said before that they were going to help him out. And he didn't believe that I was actually going to do what I told him that I was going to do. And, and I hate it that he's had experiences like that, but I seen him off down the way. And so I went running after him. I went running after him and I, and I, and I gave him this drink and I gave him a sandwich. And I was like, here you go, brother. And I said, what's your name, man? And he said, Daniel. And I said, man, that's a strong name. That's a biblical name, brother. I said, let me ask you another question. I said, do you know the Lord is your Savior? And man, what he said next rocked me to my core. I mean, I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. I mean, this man that was as skinny as a rail, you know, wearing dirty clothes, hair going everywhere. He's got sores on his mouth and his lips are all cracked from dehydration. And, and he just looks pitiful and he can barely talk. And I said, man, do you know the Lord is your Savior? And he looked at me and he said, with God, all things are possible. And then he said, thank you. And I said, no, brother. No, thank you. Thank you for reminding me of what I needed to be reminded of today. So I asked him if I could pray for him, and then we prayed right then. And here's what I prayed for. I prayed that God would watch over my new friend, that God would provide all his needs, that God would make a way where there had been no way before. That God would heal him and deliver him and set him free from whatever kind of Pharaoh was chasing after him in his life. And I prayed for his future and I prayed for his family and I prayed for every person that he was going to come into contact with that day. Because there's a time to pray and there's a time to move. Can somebody say amen? And then I sit there and cried like a baby while I watched Daniel walk down the road with his sandwich drinking his drink. And I went in there and told my wife the story, and then we cried all over again and went on about our day. But there's a time to move, and there's a time to pray. And the children of Israel are standing on the seashore, and the greatest army in the world is bearing down on them to destroy them, to re-enslave them, to do things to them that we can't even imagine right now. And before them stands this massive body of water that there's no way that they can ever cross on their own because they ain't got a boat and they ain't got a paddleboard and they ain't got no life jackets. They're just standing there in their sandals and whatever they could carry on their back looking at this ocean. And God says to Moses, lift your staff up in the air and stretch your hand over the water. Did you know that sometimes the smallest act of obedience can bring about the biggest miracle? I don't think y'all heard what I said. I said sometimes the smallest act of obedience can bring about the greatest, the biggest of miracles. Can somebody say amen? amen. And so that's what he did, man. He stretched his hand out across the water. 
And this is my favorite part. This is my favorite part. I, I told y'all that, that they were following a cloud that was really the Holy Spirit during the day so they could see where to go. And they were following a pillar of fire that was really the Holy Spirit in the night so they could see where to go. But then when they start moving the way that God has called them to move, like into his just miraculous power, look at this. The cloud that was in the front moves, moves to the back to protect the children of Israel. Because did you know that when you're in the will of God, that the Holy Spirit's got your back? Can you say amen? When you're in the will of God, when you're acting in obedience to God, the Holy Spirit has your back. When I say Holy Spirit, you say, has my back. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Now you at home, I want you to do it too. And I know some of it's going to be weird because you're sitting around some people that don't really know what you're talking about or what you're doing. But I'm going to say Holy Spirit and you say, has my back. Everybody all together. Holy Spirit. And then the power of God was unleashed. Then the power of God was unleashed and Moses is standing there and he's got his staff and he's got his hand and people around him are probably going, what in the world is he doing? But he's in the obedience of God. So it doesn't matter what everybody thinks. People of God, it doesn't matter what everybody thinks. You know what? You know, what it, you know whose opinion matters in the world? God and God alone. Galatians 1.10, I have to read it about every day. For if I live by the, by the opinions of people, I can't be a servant of Christ. Right? God and God alone. That's it. That's it. Moses stretches out his hand, lifts up his staff, and the power of God swoops in, splits the Red Sea open, dries the ground, and the children of Israel are able to walk across the ocean bed on dry ground right to where God wanted them to be. And then, and then that's not all. Then he closes the way behind them so that the enemies, so that the Pharaohs, so that the devil can't even follow them. Can you say amen? And let's just give God praise for the miracles of God. What can he not do if he can do that? What will he not do if he can do that? What, what, in, the, what in the world can hinder you from going where God wants you to go? What in the world can hinder you from doing what God wants you to do? What in the world can stop you from being exactly who God wants you to be? Can you say amen? My old life is nipping at my heels, and my new life seems impossible to grasp, but my God will make a way where there was no way. So do this. Silence the fear. Obey the word. And watch what God does. Watch what God does. Psalm 77 says this, starting in verse 16. When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The water, the ocean, the sea is afraid of my God. The ocean. Y'all seen the power of the ocean? The one that can consume ships and wash away entire islands and destroy anything that comes up in its midst. And yet the ocean quakes in fear when it saw God coming for it. The clouds poured down rain. The thunder rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. The road led through the sea. Your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. 
You led your people along that road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherd. Man, whatever is in your way, listen to me. Whatever, whoever is in your way quakes with fear when it sees our God coming. He makes a way where there was no way uh, and he closes it behind him so that your past can't follow you where God wants to take you. And that's the truth. And then in Exodus 15, the children of Israel sing a song of God's glory like we're going to do right now. I encourage you to go home and read Exodus 15 tonight. It'll take you three minutes. Read the book of Exodus in, in chapter 15 and, and see what God says to you as the children of Israel celebrate on the other side of their problems. But you know why it's so important to remember those moments? Because there's always going to be another Pharaoh. Always. There's always going to be another Pharaoh. Always going to be something else trying to seize control of your life. When you beat down one thing, something else is going to rear its ugly head. But you know what? He's not going to run out of miracles anytime soon. He's not going to run out of power. He's not going to run out of grace. He's not going to run out of glory. He has an unlimited supply, and he would love nothing more than to pour that out in your life over and over and over again. But guys, we're standing in freedom today. And we're not going back. Freedom, that means something to y'all, right? Freedom. We're not going back. And, and, and it tries to coax us back, but man, we're not going. And we're not going back to normal. We're not going back to normal. We're going where God wants us to go. And we're going to follow His will and His way. And we're not going to stray from that path. Because He wants to do a new thing. He wants to do a new thing. And he will make a way where there was no way. And he can break every chain. And he can open every prison door. And he can turn mountains into highways. And he can turn seas into dry ground. And he can heal your wounds and save your soul and set you free. So I don't know where you're at today. I, I, I don't know what you've got in front of you. I don't know what you've got behind you. But I know this. Because I was reminded of it from my new friend Daniel standing down there on the street in Nashville, Tennessee. That no matter what's chasing you, and no matter what kind of obstacle that you feel like is keeping you, with God. With, with God. Not, not, not on your own. Because on your own, it's not possible. See, with, with man, this is impossible. You hear me? But with God. All things. I mean, do you, do you feel the power in that? I mean, with God, all things. He don't put a limit on it. He didn't make a list and say, with God, these things are possible. No, with God, all things are possible. I mean, 
We're, we're, we're talking about a God that, that, can, that can walk on water. We're, we're, we're talking about a God that, that, can, that can heal leprosy. We're, we're talking about a God that can open up blind eyes and heal deaf ears and make the lame to shout his name. Man, we're talking about a God that can, can make those that are paralyzed dance in the streets. Man, we're talking about a God that can call forth the dead from the grave. Can somebody say amen? We're talking about a God that can change the heart of a man. Change the heart of a woman. That can take a heart of stone that was filled with hate and apathy and all kinds of ugly and make it beautiful. And make it soft and make it flesh. We're talking about a God that can take a people consumed with evil and rebellion and sin and save their soul. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad I get to serve a God like that. With God, all things are possible.